Hello Katawanto Kira Kamala Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific Me Koroi Hawkins. Coming up The wastewater will reach across the entire Pacific Ocean within one year. Hiroshima Suvada backs a call to halt Japan's plans to dump nuclear wastewater into the Pacific. Also, the demography of our voter registration here, almost 45% of registered voters in the age of 18 to 40 years. We'll take a closer look at the potential reasons for a record low voter turnout in Fiji. And later on, Pacifica songs and an orchestra, a new collaboration brought to life just in time for the festive season. Japan refutes claims that the planned discharge of treated radioactive waste from Fukushima Daiichi into the Pacific Ocean over decades is unsafe. It follows calls made by the Pacific Alliance for the New Zealand government to take Japan to court. As Lydia Lewis reports, Alliance members including academics, legal experts, NGOs and activists from Japan and across the Pacific condemn the plans. Hiroshima survivor Hibakusha Toshiko Tanaka has joined the call. The wastewater will reach across the entire Pacific Ocean within one year, and we share one water on the earth, so what leaks from Japan will reach everywhere. So we have to think about the earth as itself, and we can't do things for the benefit or interest of one country. Otago University researcher Dr. Carly Birch says people may be surprised to learn the Japanese government has approved Tokyo Electric Power Company, or TEPCO, discharging more than 1.3 million tonnes of treated radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. The statement is really pointing out that there has been a lack of rigorous scientific assessment and a lack of sufficient data to back up claims on the purported safety of the radioactive wastewater discharge. Hibakusha Tanaka flew to New Zealand with her daughter to speak at the Nuclear Connections Across Oceania conference, where the call to halt the wastewater discharge was drafted. I think it's very bad and it's got to stop and all the wastewater has to be kept in on land and not be released to the ocean. Nuclear issues are important to Hibakusha Tanaka. On August 6, 1945, when she was walking to school, her whole class was killed. She was only six years old. Her hair and skin and clothes were burnt. She says she cried her way home. Her mother could not recognise her. Now 84 years old, Hibakusha Tanaka says she has only just started sharing her story because it was too traumatising. Please make many friends from other countries. When you do so, you are moving the world toward peace. (laughs) Something she says is needed now more than ever in light of the war in Ukraine. There's problems with the lack of data and rigorous assessment and the problem that we're not able to question these threshold limits, but there's a bigger question about whether science should be used as an excuse to perpetuate nuclear colonialism. We understand nuclear colonialism to be the targeting of indigenous peoples, their lands and waters to maintain nuclear production processes, um, such as processes needed to maintain um, a nuclear power plant, such as Fukushima Daiichi. Um, Then TEPCO and the Japanese government's plans to discharge radioactive water into the Pacific Ocean against the will of Pacific peoples is an act of nuclear colonialism. 
Pacific Conference of Churches spokesperson Betty Radule is from the Marshall Islands and Pompeii in the Federated States of Micronesia. She's now based in Fiji and was at the same conference. She backs the call. We're just seeing the ocean becoming the new frontier for colonialism. And people are trying to use it for their own benefit. TEPCO says its treatment process called ALPS renders the water safe for discharge. Deputy Head of Mission at the Embassy of Japan in Wellington, Nishioka Tatsushi, backs TEPCO. The water to be discharged to the ocean is not the contaminated water or nuclear waste, but it is treated water. And treated water is not contaminated water because that is the water from which the most of the radioactive material has been removed. The executive director of the Western and Central Pacific Fisheries Commission, Ramos Christian, is the former chair of the Marshall Islands Nuclear Commission. She says she remains deeply concerned by Japan's proposal. I wish that the Japanese government would take some more time before its release. There are a number of outstanding questions that have yet to be fully answered. They have focused a lot on one particular radionuclide and not very much on others that are also present in the wastewater. Mr. Tatsushi says nuclear power plants all over the world are currently discharging water with tritium because it's safe to do so. I mean, I guess I would respond to Japan and say we are against any nuclear waste dumping. That was Biri Radule. Mr. Tatsushi says he hears the concerns, but Japan is trying to move forward in what it believes to be the safest way. Following the 2011 earthquake, the worst tragedy in Japan after the end of World War II. This is a conclusion that we reached after six years of very careful discussion, mobilizing the highest level of wisdom and science available. If the method we are going to take are not good enough, then what is the alternative? The resounding answer from the Pacific Alliance is clear. They want it stored on land. For Ramos Christian, releasing the waste into the ocean is just not an option. I understand that there are some urgencies because of the logistics and the storage of this wastewater, but this is a massive release and a big, big potential uh, disaster. The Pacific Alliance remains firm on its call for the New Zealand government to stay true to its commitment to a nuclear-free Pacific by taking a case to the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea against the plans. Hibakusha Tanaka has signed the alliance's call and has a message to leaders across the region. Please make many friends from other countries. When you do so, you are moving the world toward peace. (laughs) The New Zealand government says it will not be taking Japan to court over the matter. The Fiji military force commander has rejected a request to intervene in the dispute over the integrity of the election process following a request made by opposition party leaders. Speaking to RNZ Pacific, Commander Major General Johnny Kaluniwai said the RFMF as an institution will put its trust in the electoral process. Kalani Y explained using the military in any form during the electoral process is unconstitutional. The statement comes after a group of opposition party leaders in Fiji called for a halt to vote counting on Thursday and demanded an audit of the country's electoral system. 
This is a developing story. For the latest, please go to our website, www.rnzi.com. Now, with a little over 50% of Fijians turning up to cast their vote, political commentators are surprised with this growing trend of low voter turnout. Our reporter, Rachel Nath, spoke to economist and commissioner of the Fiji Higher Education Commission, Dr. Roy Kishaw, about the possible reasons for low numbers at the polls and what needs to be done to shift this trend. Could you just start by talking about your views on the voter turnout for the 2022 general elections? We are kind of kind of really searching, if you like, and it's early days to really get get down to the statistics and see which area. I mean, we're suspecting that's a low voter turn up in, in the younger generation. And then, you know, if you look at the, the demography of our voter registration here, is we have about uh, almost 45% of a voter, voter, you know, registered voters in the age of 18 to 40 years. And then we haven't got, as I said, we not been able to make uh, the assessment and analysis right now. We will do that later. But we're suspecting that that's where the voter, the lower voter turn up being, the younger side. And what we saw at the polling stations, the, the mature voters were, were there. They were turning, they turned up, they turned up and they voted. It is the younger generation that we're saying that didn't turn up. Yeah, why do you think there's a disconnect? Um, do the young, do you feel that the younger generation perhaps d- doesn't fully understand um, the importance of exercising the democratic right? Maybe, but but they do, they do, because I must say, a lot of people are saying that, uh, you know, awareness campaign, but I must give it to to Fiji elections office. I mean, they've been very busy from first, from first of April. First of April was that's when the announcement came that, you know, you could start officially start campaigning so from you know the the election was announced later uh, but from 1st of april you could uh, parties could start campaigning and the parties started campaigning so when you when you start when the, when all the parties started campaigning that that is that is education really for the voters isn't it because they go out and they talk to people and then they, they you know everybody's campaigning to vote for them and then what they're saying that you must go to vote so they've been, been saying that and then I really didn't know, I don't know still why the, the voters didn't turn up. So it's around about 52%. And we were hoping, I personally was hoping, if you look at 2014 and 18, 14 was down around about 60, 70%. And then the 74% was last time, 2018. And we were hoping to better that, better that this time, but it's gone back. So we really have to do the diagnostics and then and find out, you know, what, what what really went wrong that the the voters didn't turn up as as yes. expected. As expected. And you're right. I mean, our journalists on the field did notice and, and reported saying that there were a lot of older or mature demographics yes. that were out at the polling station. And I think, I mean, it could be just an analysis to say here that these are the generations that have been voting for a while now. They understand yes, and they've been coming in from the 2000s, um, in of 87s onward to 2000s. They've been voting since then. And that, that's why yes, they sir. turn up and they make their vote count. Um, is is that what maybe the focus kind of needs to be uh, emphasized now going forward into th- the next four years? Is that getting that same kind of interest sparked within the younger generation? Yes, and, and if if you like, if you want to want to cue, I mean, if you look at the 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 rallies, the, all of, all the parties been doing, 
And then if you look at the rallies and then you look at the, the demographic of the voters who are who were attending the rallies and still, I mean, I didn't see now. Now we saying that, you know, that time we didn't realize that. But now because the low, low voter turn up, particularly the younger side, I mean, now, now it sort of, you know, make, makes sense. It's sort of coincides that uh, the rallies were largely attended by matured people. And then, you know, people, the younger ones were not there all the time. And where they're in less less numbers, mm. so so probably it sort of you know feeds in feeds into the the voter tenor. I mean that seems to be quite a correlation. I mean you know we can do a all this we can do a good good research and really went wrong and why is it like that? But yeah. I think you know awareness campaign was there by Fiji Elections Office and also the parties campaigning. So I don't think you know we can say much there. But I think these people, the young people, the way they are, I mean, you know, they're big lackluster and, you know, they think, okay, everything is hunky-dory, is happening for them. And they take it easy, I guess. So that's mm -hmm. what they did. They took it easy. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you think we can approach this as a nation? Like, what could Fiji do? Schools and universities look at perhaps um, having more awareness around the importance of exercising, uh, of voting. Yeah. I think I think this, this sort of again, you know, I'm expanding a little bit here and diverting maybe. But if you look at the leadership, I mean, you know, it's all about leadership, isn't it? And and part of leadership is is, is all this voting and democratic right and the rest of it. Our leadership side, this is one of the things that's in the higher education. You know, from from where I sit as a director of the Higher Fiji Higher Education Commission, we're trying to build our leadership. And we are trying to come up with specialist programs and courses in universities to really, you know, teach leadership and, and you know, leadership management and, and the rest of it. So that's where probably it can sit. It can sit like a curriculum there that, you know, part of leadership is that you must go and exercise your democratic right and, and voting is the essential part of it. Mm -hmm. So, yes, most definitely. I think we will look into that. Pacifica Songs with orchestral music has been brought to life just in time for the Christmas season. The Mana Moana project is a groundbreaking partnership between the renowned signature choir, Pacifica Communities and the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra. For the first time, specially selected Pacifica songs were performed live and in recordings. Susanna Suizuiki attended the Mana Moana concert and has the story. One woman's vision to fuse Pacifica songs with orchestral music has been brought to life just in time for the festive season. The Manamoana Project is a unique partnership between Wellington-based Signature Choir and the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra, a first-ever collaboration. Signature Choir's music director, Helen Tupai, says the visionary partnership was about sharing Pacifica stories and music with a broader audience. Our songs and our stories are heard only in our communities, and I think it was a way to share our music to another audience that has never listened to our music. And I think we, because we appreciate all types of music, so um, it was more that, um, so that we towards appreciate the beauty of each art. Having worked with Helen before, New Zealand Symphony Orchestra's Director of Artistic Programming, Kristen Mason, says she has a deep respect for her as a musician. Since becoming part of Mana Moana, Kristen says she's fallen in love with Pacifica songs. These songs have a way of communicating um, the mood and the emotion 
and and they make people cry um, even if they don't speak the language and and people can understand what songs are about. After months of rehearsals and having to overcome hurdles like postponements from the Omicron outbreak, the Mana Moana project finally delivered its big concert early in December to a sold-out crowd at Wellington's Michael Fowler Centre. Pacifica songs from Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, Tokelau, Cook Islands and Niue filled the venue, bringing audiences from all backgrounds to tears. For concert goer Isira Tanawai, he says the concert felt magical and hearing the familiar Samoan melodies still brought back nostalgic memories. A little bit emotional because uh, it was a nice traditional Samoan piece. Sticking with my parents, um, just lovely to hear our traditional songs backed by a professional orchestra. So that was, that was a, re- a really beautiful touch. Songs from the Mana Moana project will soon be made available to listen to on streaming platforms made possible through RNZ Concert. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. If you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Mafitai Dililava, Monwea Lebayaso.